Hey, are you, are you enjoying the band? I mean, they just keep, I mean, wow. I, uh, I'm, I'm super excited that, that you're here today. And just a little confession before I, before I start out. I'm a little bit of a, of a nerd when it comes to apps that track certain things. Like um, uh, I've got an Apple Watch. And I've got an exercise app, and it tracks, like, my heart rate and how much I stand up. And does anybody have that app on there? Okay, little, just a few people. The rest of y'all need to hit the pavement. Um, but, but, you know, maybe it's a Fitbit or maybe it's whatever watch or whatever, but it's, it's an app that tracks your exercise. I've got an app on my watch that tracks my sleeping um, and tells me how good I sleep or how good I don't sleep. I'm super competitive. <laughs> so when I first got it, I would wake up in the middle of the night to check it to see if I was sleeping good. It, it, and it, it kind of didn't serve the purpose, but I got past that. I see a therapist. It's great. Um, so I, I love apps that track certain things. But one of the things that I don't have, and, and, and it's not out there, it hadn't been invented yet. And if it did get invented, somebody would screw it up. So don't think this is an invention idea. Is I don't have an app to track how I'm doing in my walk with God. Right? Now, it would kind of be nice if I had one, but then if I was doing really good, that's when you show your app to people. Hey, look at this. I'm on. And then that's pride, and I got Satan kicked out of heaven. So that's that. Did you just go back to zero? Um, and then if you're doing bad, can I see your app? Why you got to look at my app? Why, why can't we look? And so it's one of those things that that there's not an app out there to measure how we're doing in our walk with God. But at the end of the day, there's several places in Scripture that communicates that God knows the heart. So instead of just looking at an app, why don't I ask you the question this morning? You don't have to blurt this out a number or whatever, but how are you doing in your walk with God? Where, where are you in your walk with Jesus? If we were going to put it on a scale... Like negative 10, now, now let me pause. There are no negative 10s here. If you're a negative 10, you're not in the building. The only way you're watching this broadcast is you stumbled across it on Facebook. This is like the hardcore atheists. I mean, they are hardcore atheists. You know, atheists believe two things. Number one, there's not a God. Number two, I hate him. And I've never figured that out. It's like, because I don't wake up every morning going, ugh, unicorns, ugh, I hate them. They, they're not real, so I'm not mad at them. But anyway, another message, another time. If you're here, maybe you're like a negative six or negative five where you're kind of interested in Christianity, but you're not really sure because you had a professor in college tell you that the Bible wasn't real and you had a preacher tell you one time something and the professor at college kind of, and it was kind of weird. Or maybe you had an experience with uh, some of God's crazy children. God has great children and crazy children. How many of you know that's true? Um, if you don't know that's true, it's because you're crazy and nobody's had the courage to tell you that. But, but maybe you've had a negative experience and maybe there's some people that you're like, you're like right on the edge of giving your life to Christ but you haven't yet for whatever reason. Um, something's just holding your back and, you, and you're not sure what it is. Um, I know what it's like to be in that place. I was in that place for several, several months before I personally gave my life to Christ. Or maybe you've crossed the line of faith and, and you're, you're just starting to walk with Jesus. Now, if we're all honest in the room, if you're a Christ follower, a Christian, there are days that we feel like we're here and then there are days we feel like we're here. Am I right? So it's like, if you ask me on Saturday night, I'm, as, I'm real close to like right here, right? But, 
But this is where sometimes I feel like I'm here, sometimes I feel like I'm here, sometimes I feel like here. But my goal for our church, my goal for Second Chance Church, is I want this to be a place where people always feel like we can move to the right. No matter where you are in your walk with Jesus. See, I call it a win if we have somebody attend our church and they're a negative five, and for the next several months, they go from a negative five to a negative two. That's closer to Jesus. I'm just going to call that a win. I believe, I believe you keep showing up that Jesus will eventually change your life. I, I believe that. I believe if, if somebody's a one, my hope and prayer is that as a result of something that Jesus does in your life through this church, that you'll go from a, a two to a three or maybe a three to four. Now, here's the other thing. If we get to like a six or a seven and we screw up because all of us have that gift, all of us have the ability to fall flat on our face and maybe go backwards. I want this to be a place where you feel like you can stand up and step forward once again. Just because you fell down doesn't mean you've fallen out. Oh my God, that was good right there. Somebody, I don't know if y'all tweet anymore, but just because you fell down does not mean that you have fallen out of the grace of God. And I want this to be a place where people can always move to the right. Now, when I say place, there are some places that you and I naturally feel more connected to God. Am I right? Like for me, if I'm at the beach, it's early in the morning, and I'm by myself, and I'm just walking, I, that for me, I just feel like I'm, a, I'm about to step into heaven because I'm so close to Jesus, right? Or on the, in the mountains, it's snowed, and it's just early in the morning. Some of y'all didn't know there was an early morning because you don't get up early in the morning, but that's fine. But I want to tell, tell you about one of the places and tell you why that I, I just feel so close to Jesus in this place, and it's in Israel. It's in Israel. How many of you have ever been to Israel? You've been. Okay. How many would love to go? Yeah. Now, this is the question people ask me. Is it safe? Like, do you believe that God is all-powerful? Okay, then it's safe. And get this, if you die in Israel, you go straight to the front of the line in heaven. You get a cut. Like, you, you tell Jesus, hey, man, I was in your hood. And you kind of got to go straight to the front. So it's great. Now, the first time I went to Israel, the, um, the very first time, there was a guy there that kind of arranged the trip. And once we landed, he said, okay, where's the place you want to go? Like, you really want to go. Like, you've got to go there. And I think, because he was expecting like Garden of Gethsemane or the Garden Tomb and all those places are great. But I said, Caesarea Philippi. And he, he, he went, uh, that's going to be a problem. And I said, listen, bro, you asked me where I wanted to go and I've already paid. And I'm bigger than you. And, and so, and <laughs> he turned to his friends like, you think we can do it? And he was like, yeah. So we got on a bus, and I don't know if you get motion sickness or not, but if you ever go, you're going to need to take some Dramamine because, I mean, it's just around winding roads. And it took like an hour or so to get, by the time we got there, I was like, man, whose idea was it to come to this place? But <laughs> this is what Caesarea Philippi looks like. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a cave in the side of a rock. Now, there's a lot of people going, how did that make you feel close to God? Well, I'll get to that in a second. As I was standing there, and I took this picture, I was standing there, I looked to my right, and up here, as you can see, there's a, there's a ledge, and I was like, 
I turned to my friend. I was like, I think I would like to go up there. And he was like, let's do it. Now, I should have known there was a problem um, because we had to sneak past the guard shack. Uh, not make it, so we finally made it up there. And this is what it looked like um, from the top of the ridge looking down. Now, if you do a 180, you are looking at Syria. That's how close you are to the Syrian border, okay? But we're looking down at Caesarea Philippi. And uh, the second trip that I went on to Israel, I did the same exact thing. And our guide lost his mind. And he was like, are you crazy? And I was like, no, we just, we didn't. He goes, you walked through an open minefield. And I was like, that is awesome. That is great. So let's do it again. I know the spots. But the reason I feel so close to Jesus here is because in the Bible tells us in Matthew 16 that Jesus walked here. It took him about a week. I'm, I'm not walking a week for anything. But Jesus was making a point when he got here, and he asked his apostles, he said, what are people saying about me? And they said, well, you know, some say you're, I mean, you're good. You got picking up some fans on Facebook. I mean, you, I mean, they like you. They say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or whatever. And Jesus said, that, but what do you, what do you say about me? Peter spoke up. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you nailed it. And on that statement right there, I'm going to build my church. And for me, mm, this is where he said what he was going to do. And he started a movement that, listen, the local church changed my life. It's changed my life. And so when I get to this place in Israel, I always just feel so close to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, the church is not a perfect plan, but she's still God's plan. And it still works to reach the world and change the world. So I wanted to share with you today what I really want for our church, what my heart is for this house when it comes to what we do each and every weekend. So here we go. There's six things, all right? I tried to get seven because it's like the perfect number or whatever. I couldn't do it. Here we go. Number one. I want this to be a house where people feel welcomed. You say, what people? All people. Let me help you. Those people. You know what I'm talking about? Because all of us have a category of those people. What are we going to do if those people show up? Well, I'm going to give them a hug. I hope you are too. Because, because listen, listen. If you've got to have people just like you to hang out with you, you're nothing like Jesus. I've learned this the hard way. You used to have to be just like me to hang out with me. But then as I read through the scriptures, I, I read over and over that Jesus hung out with people that were nothing like him. And people that were nothing like him liked him. And I'm like, if that's how Jesus was, that's how the church should be. So matter, no, no matter who walks in those doors out there, they're going to be welcomed in this place. Do you know who they are? Do you know what they did? Time out. Do we know who you are and what you did? All of us are jacked up. It's just more obvious with some of us, right? The, the Bible says in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not I was sad or I was mad, but I was glad. I want this to be that thing that wells up inside of us when it comes to going to church. Because you know what it's like to show up in a place where you're not welcome? 
I remember several years ago, I was in another state, I was out of town, and it was a Sunday, and I woke up, I was like, well, I, I got to go to church. So you drive around town, and you just try to find a church, you know, you're trying to find the safe church, and I was like, okay, that, that looks like good. So I walked in. Now, to be fair, to be fair, um, I, I, I had about 40 more pounds on me. I used to shave my head bald, and I have a goatee. And I, I look like a pretty bad dude. I really did. I got offered a bouncer's job once. It was awesome. I might should have took that. Or maybe not. Anyway, I, I walked into this church. And I was dressed. I mean, I wasn't dressed up, but I wasn't dressed down. I just walked in. There's an old man. He was the greeting team, I guess. And um, he, he had on a suit that, was, that he had had for 40 years. And he, I remember he looked. He, have, you, have you ever been in a place where somebody just, like, looked you up and down? Yeah. yeah. All the girls are like, uh-huh. The guy's like, no, it's never happened to me. I, I understand. This dude, he, he was like, uh. I'm not making that up. Uh. So I went, huh. And he held out a bulletin, but it was like halfway. And so I like took it from him. And I walked in. I walked down like the third or fourth row, sat down next to these two people. As I sat down, I looked and I said, how are y'all doing? They looked at me, looked at each other, got up and moved. I was like, what the, yeah. I mean, I, didn't, I hadn't even done anything yet. I was still a pretty, I mean, we hadn't, we, Google didn't exist, all right? So nobody knew. And so I'm sitting there the whole time thinking, thank you, Jesus, that I'm already a Christian, that I'm already saved. Because had that happened to somebody who was unchurched, they're not coming back. This is why we have people in the parking lot. This is why we have a parking team. It's not just to park cars, but we want you to feel welcome because one of the sayings that we have around here is the sermon actually begins in the parking lot. That's why we have people greeting you when you walk in the door saying, we're glad you're here because at the end of the day, we really are glad that you, sir, you, ma'am, are here. That's why we have ushers in here because we want people to feel welcome in this place. I want this to be a place when those doors open, whoever, whoever it is, whatever they're going through, they can walk in and feel welcome in this place because people that were nothing like Jesus always felt welcomed uh, with Jesus. And there's just days that I don't feel very much like Jesus and he still welcomes me. Aren't you glad he does the same for us all? Second thing I have a heart for this house for is I want a house with an incredible children's ministry. Incredible. Now, I got a confession here. I grew up hating church. Not disliking it. Hating it. Some of you that are on my age, I'm I'm, I'm flirting with 48. We hadn't started dating yet, but I'm flirting with her, all right? So I'm, I'm 47, so you're around my age. Some of you come from a background, you'll actually remember this. Others of you will just have to take my word that the church I went to growing up, we had Sunday school. Remember Sunday school? And we had church. Now, Sunday school was age appropriate, and for me, it was awesome. I had fun in Sunday school because Miss Wiggins was my Sunday school teacher. She was old. Like, like she actually helped Moses write the first five books of the Bible. Like she was, she was in, but she, she loved kids. Oh my gosh, she loved kids. And we would do popsicle sticks and with a cross and cut out paper doll Jesus and all that stuff. It was Sunday school was great. And then we had to go to preaching. Preaching was awful because I was ADD, but undiagnosed, right? And so my dad and mom had a solution for ADD. 
My mom, it was the, the hand on the knee right there, which made me move more. I'm like, what the freak are you doing? I didn't say that to my mom. Um, and then the elbow, and, the, and I had to sit there. And so this is what I thought. God is boring. Our, our church is boring. God must be boring. And then we see all these articles about children leaving the church. And we're like, why are children walking away from the church? We bored them the first 12 years of their life. I remember being at church, and the choir just sang something, and the preacher got up and said, that's going to be what heaven's like. And I'm like, I'll go to hell before I, that, that is awful. <laughs> I had a very active mind, okay? I, I was not a Christian, don't judge me. Talking about that next week. Now, here's the thing about children's ministry. Jesus, Jesus was like a, like children love Jesus, and children don't love boring people. They were drawn to Jesus. In fact, Matthew tells us in his gospel, he said, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Get those kids out of here. Yeah, crazy kids. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So Jesus loved the little children. All little children of the world, right? And we remember the song, and I can't sing the rest of it because it's not politically correct. But, I mean, you, I mean, you understand you're tracking with me. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, and I'm glad you're thinking this. In fact, you're asking this question in your head. If you want a great children's ministry, then why didn't that happen back there? Like, why, why don't we have it? It's a very simple answer. We're a church plant, not a campus launch. When we started, we started from scratch, nothing in the bank, no staff, no volunteers. It was an iPhone and me in a living room. It's as basic as you could get. And slowly but surely, God has begun to bless and open doors, and we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle take place. And at the end of the day, and in order to have a dynamic children's ministry, it only takes two things, money and volunteers. That's it. Money. Money. Yeah, your, kid, your kid's a goldfish. <laughs> There's more children going to heaven because of goldfish than just about anything in the world. I can't stand them, but kids love them, right? And, and volunteers. Now, now, listen, listen, listen. This is not a guilt trip. I, I don't, I'll talk about that later. I don't believe in guilt trips. I hate guilt trips. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody because many of you have been guilted before by your mama every Christmas. It's like, I oh, need to come see me. This might be the last Christmas. And you're like, dear God, I hope it is, woman, because you're driving me crazy. Anyway, so I, I know it's probably, but I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I want you, if you feel called to volunteer to work with children, that's, I'm, I'm telling you, we would love for you to volunteer. If you, listen, you got to love kids. you got to love kids. you got to be called to do it. Like, this, it's not my calling. I was a children's pastor for a year. And six months into it, when you start having images of punting children through the hall, you're like, you know, I just, and when my pastor, I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to do this. Why? Well, I want to punt Zane. And so, so he's like, okay, don't punt Zane. Um, and, I, and I didn't. But that, so if that's your ad, I don't. I don't want you to volunteer, but if you want to volunteer or you think you might be interested in volunteering in the children's ministry, text SCCServe to 970-00. Now, here's, here's the deal before you, before you do it, before you do it. We, we will sit down and chat with you, 
You go through a background check, like a federal background check. It's very expensive. We pay, we pay for it. We pay for it, okay? So we're like, well, you got to go through a background check. Because you asked that question like that. It was weird. <laughs> we got three values for a children's area. Clean, safe, and fine. Clean, safe, and fine. Clean, safe, and fine. We got like 16 cameras that monitor the whole, this whole building. We want that to be a safe, but we want that to be a place where your children are walking into your room on Friday going, is it Sunday yet? On Saturday going, is it Sunday yet? On Sunday going, is it Sunday yet? Because listen, this is the thing I've discovered is children get excited about church. Parents are going to have to come whether they like it or not. <laughs> so if you're interested, you do that. And, and if not, pray that God will raise up volunteers because we are, listen, we've got a dynamic leadership team in our children's ministry area. And we're just waiting to, waiting to take that next step. Which leads to the third thing. The third thing is I want, a, I want a house where singing equals worship. Not singing equals singing, but singing equals worship. Now, some people love to sing. Some people hate to sing. Some people can't sing. <laughs> Have you ever been like to a concert and somebody sat behind you and they knew every word to every song that was, but they couldn't sing? I mean, I remember years ago, I went to see Conway Twitty. Some of y'all don't know Conway Twitty. Don't pretend that y'all know Conway Twitty. How many of y'all know who Conway Twitty is? Okay, yeah. Okay, we're all old. That's great. <laughs> Got to get some young people in the house. But there was a woman that sat behind me. I was 12. My dad is with me, and she knew everything. I was like, would you say something to her? It was awful. But here, that's why we have the music so loud. And so you can't hear the person behind you. I'm serious. It helps, right? Now, there have been Sundays that, I'll just be honest with you, I've showed up to church and I don't, I don't want to sing because I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. And, and, and you've had those days too. We've all had those days where we just don't feel like singing. But then I stumbled on this verse one time in Psalm and I got very convicted because the psalmist wrote, come, let us sing for joy. And the Lord was like, Perry, I didn't tell you to sing when you felt joy. I, tell, I told you to sing, and as you begin to sing, you feel joy. And that's happened to me so many times where you don't feel like singing, but then as you begin to sing, something begins to happen inside of you. One of the things I love the most about this environment right here is when we were just doing an online audience, we had no music. So it was like three, two, one, and I would preach. And that's like sprinting without stretching. Eventually, that, I mean, that, just, that just isn't great. But now that we could come in and our band, they're prepared and they lead us and we sing and we worship, it's a great thing. And I hope, my hope and prayer is that you feel the freedom in this place to sing for joy. Now, when it comes to expressing ourselves in worship, It's a little different with different people. I come from a Wesleyan background. We were not expressive at all for anything. Oh, the church I came from, good people, good people. But when they got to heaven, they would be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. I mean, the streets are gold. It's awesome. That was my, like, I, I grew up in a church that was non-expressive, regimented, everything, every Sunday, same way. Then my aunt invited my family to go with her to church on a Sunday. 
she went to like a church of God, fire, baptized, tongue, like, like you couldn't even put the name on the t-shirt. It'd like wrap around. <laughs> so you got to imagine me, six-year-old Perry, I walk in, I sit down, and, and like <laughs> everybody in the church had a tambourine. Like everybody. <laughs> if you've ever been, you know what I'm talking about. It's like they were wearing their stuff. Like where the freak did they get all these tambourines? What is going on? About halfway through the first song, the guy in the next row stands up and goes, Woo! And then starts taking laps around the church. And his wife does the same. I started crying because I was like, Daddy, what's wrong? And my dad looked at me and said, The Spirit's on him, son. I was like, Can you keep the Spirit from me? I don't, I don't want to. So, at the end of the day, I'm not a lap taker. Some of you have been in those churches, right? Um, I'm not a lap taker, okay? I'm not encouraging taking laps, but I'm okay because some people are more expressive than others. Would you agree? Some people are more expressive than others. That's okay. Like, I remember when it comes to raising hands, there's a, there's a Bible in the, there's a verse in the Bible. There's a Bible in the verse. This is the service. The meds always wear off. I, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, some people go, well, I'm, I'm not really a hand raiser. Ah, oh, but you've been to a football game. Now, if you're a Clemson fan, you're used to raising your hands more. <laughs> Right? If you're a Carolina fan, you used to leave in early. So I, I, I get that. Get that. I understand. I didn't understand raising hands. I didn't understand raising hands. When I first started going to church, I remember being with my buddy, and, and <laughs> the choir would be singing. We would be standing up, and I'd be like, hey, man, why has that woman got a question? He said, what do you mean? I was like, that woman right there, she's got a, she's got a question. He's like, oh, she's, she's worshiping. I was like, oh, what are we doing right now? He's like, we're singing. I'm like, is there a difference? He goes, no, some people raise their hand. I was like, can I raise my hand? He goes, that's kind of like for the godly people. I was like, oh. So I started out where he couldn't see me. I just I started doing these one of these right here. Kind of like you're stealing a television set, right? This is a second chance. I got to speak our language. And eventually, I... Graduated to Mufasa. <laughs> but, it, but it's the thing. If, if you're a hand raiser, I want you to feel free to raise your hands. But if you're not a hand raiser, I want you to feel free not to raise your hands. Because just because you raise your hands doesn't mean you're worshiping. No, seriously. I've seen people, like, with their hand raised on their phone going, getting my praise on. <laughs> oh, man. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm calling you a hypocrite. That's, that's wrong. Or if you got one hand raised and the other hand in your girlfriend's back pocket, come on, man. I got two text messages while I'm preaching. From staff members. I got two text messages from staff. Why, why are y'all texting me in church? I'm not going to call y'all out, Ed and Logan, but y'all are texting me while I'm trying to preach. 
this is water. <laughs> Some of y'all were wondering. <laughs> Got to call that stuff out. Just because you raise your hands, it, 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 like I've seen some people raise their hands in worship, and I've seen some people literally sit down and weep during worship. It's not, I'm just telling you, I want this to be a place that when we sing, we really do worship God. Number four, number four, number four. We'll calm down here. A house known for generous giving. See, told y'all, whoop, mention the money, and everybody's like, whoop. Now, let me, let me tell you, when I first went to church, when I first started going to church, I was real skeptical during the offering time. You know, the preacher would get up and talk about giving and all that stuff. And this is why I was skeptical. I, in the late 80s, early 90s, there were all these scandals with, like, televangelists and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, and the church just wants your money. So I gave my life to Jesus in 1990, but I didn't really follow him for the first nine years. I more used him. And, like, I would give him all my problems, all my pain, all my, but I, I didn't surrender everything to him. So in 1999, in 1999, now, once again, this is my story. This is just my story. It don't have to be your story. It's my story. In 1999, I made this decision. I'm going to surrender everything to Jesus. And when I say everything, I was like, I'm going to give him my money. Now, to the best of my understanding, not from just studying certain passages, but from Genesis to Revelation, I felt a deep conviction that 10% of the gross income out of my, just went to the local church, period. That was my conviction. And I said, I'm going to live by that conviction for the rest of my life. Now, when I started doing that, I was broke. Like, I was broke. You, I'm, negative things in the checkbook, like negative numbers, broke, right? But after I made that, and I would love to be able to tell you, actually, I wouldn't love to be able to tell you this because it would sound weird, but like, I, I didn't go out in my driveway the, the next morning and there was a Cadillac. Yeah. Now, now, some people tell you, oh, if you give God, a, if you'll give $50, God, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm just telling you, I put God first in my finances and I've always had what I've needed ever since because God knows how to take care of people that put him first. Now, Jesus, Jesus said this. It wasn't me. It was Jesus. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where we put our money, that's where our heart naturally goes. And, and by the way, let me, let me just say this before I move on. For those of y'all that gave to the 250K campaign, thank you. We wouldn't even be in this room if it wasn't for you. You chose stories over stuff. And when I say stories over stuff, do you know that we've seen almost 400 people pray to receive Christ since we started Second Chance Church? From an online broadcast to what we have today. But because of you, we were able to get like carpet. We were able to get a screen. We were able to get stuff. We were able to get the children's area. We were able to get this whole, because you gave. And so I just, I'm going to say this every opportunity I can. Thank you for setting up a foundation that I believe is going to create a movement that sweeps across the nation and eventually the world because everybody needs to know they can have a second chance. <laughs> 
let's be honest. We blew our second chance a long time ago, but it, I just felt it was the safest name. Number five, I want this to be a house where we receive revelation from God's word. I'm a Bible guy. I love to preach the Bible. There will never be a Sunday that you walk in the doors of these church that we do not have either a story out of scripture or at least just a verse in the Bible. But, but I love scripture. And the reason I love scripture is because, well, this has happened to you. You come to church with your friend or your spouse or, your, you know, whatever, and you'll leave and you get something out of the message and the person you came with gets something completely different. And you're like, did you hear what I heard? I don't know. Did you hear what I, I mean, you heard the same thing, but you got something completely different. And that's because the, the scripture said the word of God is alive and active. I never will forget a Sunday I preached a message and it basically had three points. It was like point number one, don't look at porn. Point number two, stop looking at porn. <laughs> point number three, if you look at porn again, God's going to kill you. Like it was something like that. It wasn't that mean. Um, and afterwards, this guy walked up to me and said, God really spoke to me in that message. I was like, oh, you're going to quit looking at porn? He said, no, 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 no. God spoke to me and told me I need to get baptized. Okay. It's good, man. Were you were you listening to a preacher on Facebook or something like that while I was preaching? I was like, no, no, no. God used your message. I'm, I'm back talking to staff members going, did I say anything about baptism? They're like, no. All that is is the word of God being living and active. Now, when it comes to my preaching personally, just so you'll know where my heart is as I prepare messages for this group and for our people online, for our friends at LifeSpring every week, I've got three goals. First thing is I want to speak life. I want to speak life into a world that absolutely has death spoken over us every day. I don't watch the news anymore. I don't know what's going on with the news. People are like, do you hear what Trump did? I don't know what Trump did. I don't know what the Democrats did. I don't know what the weather, I don't, I don't know. You know why? I don't watch it because all that gets reported is negative stuff. And the Bible talks about good news. And the reason I think that so many of us lose our joy is we spend so much time looking at the bad news that we're not looking at the good news. And the gospel is good news. That's what I want to focus on. So, so I believe, like, every once in a while, we would used to have preachers going, give them hell. I'm like, they get hell all week long. Let's give them hope. Amen. Let's let them know. And so I'm, now this is, what, this is what I love. This is what I love because I'll get this. I'll get this. Not live. It'll, it'll be an email. I guess you're not going to preach the truth. Where in the world did it turn into the truth has to be a baseball bat that we beat people with? rather than actually something we can speak over people that causes them to actually want to take their next step in their walk with Christ. Which kind of holds hands with letter B, build up. I want to build people up. I, I've just learned that if you build people up, rather than putting them on a guilt trip, <laughs> I remember sometime, I remember one time somebody accused me, they're like, you just love making people feel guilty. Now, I know how to make people feel guilty. Communicators, all communicators, all people know how to make people feel guilty. We alluded to that earlier. But I had somebody tell me one time, yeah, you get up there and you start talking in that low voice and you put on that guilt music. <laughs> I was like, guilt, guilt, guilt music, yeah. You know, the, the keyboard comes up and plays the guilt music. I'm like, oh, you're talking about mood music. 
I can talk to you about mood music. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say mood music? I, I know there are kids in the room, so I won't go too far there, but like mood music. Like, wow, 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 wow. Like mood music, all right? It's not guilt music. It's mood music. But at the end of the day, the reason we do that is because music really does create certain moods. Am I right? I mean, am I right? Do I need to? Okay, I'm not going there. But music really does create certain moods, which leads to letter C. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to move. In other words, if something happens in your life, it's not going to happen because I said something. It's going to happen because the Holy Spirit of God spoke to your heart spoke to your mind and addressed the issue. And that's what I want to happen each and every week is I want people to have an encounter with the spirit of the living God, which ultimately is what's going to change us and eventually the nation and the world. So these are my goals every week when I sit down to prepare a message, when I sit down to prepare a series, that's what I'm shooting for every time, which leads to number six. I want this to be a house where people feel safe to ask for help. church can be an unsafe place. When I first started in ministry, I worked at a church that had about 100 people. And the second church was about 150, 200 people. And I got to be honest, as a staff member, I hated the invitation. You know why I hated the invitation? Because the people responded, because we all stood, we all had our hymn book, we all sang, what did we sing? Just as I am. Now, we didn't mean it, just as you should be without, like, like just as I was, but, but we sang it. And it was awesome unless somebody responded. There was only the preacher down front, and he would listen to everything. Now, every once in a while, it was, it, it was quick. It was like, pray for me, bam. And then every once in a while, the person in the church that was the most messed up would respond, and you're like, oh, dear God. Because you would sing, like you just started making up verses. It was, it was awful. And then there were certain subjects that you could preach on. And after you got done preaching on them and gave an invitation to come forward if you were wrestling with this, everybody was like, I, ain't, I am not walking down in this church because everybody's like, oh, there she goes. We know what's going on with her. <laughs> and so, so I, I was always like, man, we got we to gotta create a way that people really can respond day of, like moment of. Because James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this down. He said, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be judged. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? He said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I want to just share this. A lot of people I know have been forgiven, but they've never been healed and you've never been healed because you've tried to carry that weight all by yourself when the Bible says we should talk to others. That's why we do an invitation. Every week, we give an invitation for people to receive Christ. And then every week, I tell you that there's a care room, that there's four exits to the back of this building. Out the back door, there are care room volunteers that would love to meet you. And listen, we want to pray with you or pray for you. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to rip you apart. Nobody's going to tear you down. We want for healing that process to begin in your life that's why we do it every single week and we want this place to be the safest place in the world then that for you to admit 
I need some help. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what Jesus said that he was going to do here, I want him to do here. And I believe over time we're going to continue to see it happen. So I'll go back to my original question. Where are you in your walk with Jesus? Where are you? Because at the end of the day, I want everyone in this room to know, because I've got this painting in my office, it is well with my soul. And if you're on this side, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, you just know that something in you is broken and you don't know what it is. Today's the day you need to receive Christ. And if you're on this side and you do have Jesus, but something's still wrong, today's the day you just need to ask for help. Because that's, that's where we get our joy. Not when circumstances are perfect, but that when all hell is breaking loose and we can know it's still well in our soul.